welcome back to this week's episode of Gin and Barrett. I am your host, Meg, and this week I am joined by someone who probably doesn't need an inner introduction. It's his sixth time, I just counted, coming on Gin and Barrett, and that is Harry. Feels like the tenth. Evening all. Thank you. Thank you very much. So Harry has joined again so soon because we decided to do a part two to the Santorini episode a few weeks ago where we discussed all of the Santorini wines that we enjoyed on our trip to Santorini. So we've decided to do a part two where we will cover the beer and cocktails because as is the case with any of our holidays, it was quite boozy and so there's a lot to cover. So... Before we get into the drinks, I actually think that I promised when we recorded the last episode that if we did another Santorini episode, we'd actually tell the story of how we got to Santorini, which I think is worth telling because it was fucking crazy. But basically, we feel free to chime at any time in with your side of the story, Harry. My my journey was less crazy. (laughs) I just got on a plane and landed in Santorini. Yeah, well... Anyway, so we booked the trip. We actually originally booked to Mykonos, but we switched to Santorini a few weeks after booking. We booked in May um, for a trip in July for what we thought, like at the point where we thought things were looking a bit better and that travel would be opened by the end of the last week of July. So we booked the trip. We flew EasyJet um, direct from London Gatwick to Santorini and back. And when we booked the trip, travel still wasn't open, but it was looking better. Then, I I don't remember the exact timeline of this, but England added, uh, sorry, removed Greece from the quarantine list. So they made it so that you can travel to Greece um, and come back, or you can, you know, travel to the UK from Greece and not have to quarantine in the UK. So that was great news because then it looked like, okay, we're going. But then Greece decided not to reciprocate immediately because Greece had very low cases of coronavirus as a whole. I think they had something like 200 cases in total at the peak of the pandemic in kind of the March-April period. Um, And Santorini specifically had no cases. So Greece was very keen to keep up their good track record and as such they were not allowing UK visitors whatsoever um and so they that so at that point it looked like our trip was going to be canceled and this was like probably beginning of July that it was just looking like it wasn't going to happen then Greece decided to reciprocate um and the first flights were the week leading up to our trip to Greece. So it was all was looking good. It was finally, you know, I think we're all a bit damaged this year and we've all gotten to the point where we didn't really feel like we could look forward to things because everyone had had so many important events this year canceled, but we did, it did seem like things were looking up. But then one morning about a week, maybe 10 days before our trip, my dad messaged me and he was just, because my dad is a avid reader of celebrity gossip, particularly the Daily Mail. And my dad messaged and said, how were Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson spotted in Greece? How did they 
get there? Is it, it, it's not open for Americans. And I just said, well, I think it's based on residency. And I think actually it turns out that Rita Wilson has a Greek passport. She must have, her parents must be Greek or something, which I didn't realize. But anyway, um, my dad was just like, well, you should probably double check that you'll be able to travel to Greece on your American passport. Because I had just assumed like, as long as I was coming from the UK and I'm a resident of the UK, that it wouldn't be an issue. So I start Googling it and the results that I found were incredibly ambiguous, both from the information on the Greek embassy website and the information on the UK website and the American embassy. So ultimately, I decided to ring the Greek embassy in London to ask them outright because I was like, if anyone should know how the rules pertain to my particular situation, it should be the Greek embassy in London. So I rang them and had horrible connection for whatever reason. The guy, me and the guy could barely hear each other, but he, I explained the situation to him. I said, I am a U.S. citizen, but I've been living in the U.K. for four years. I have a British residence permit. And he was like, nope, you won't be able to enter Greece. And so it was like my whole holiday dream of the summer completely crashed around me. And it was, you know, basically confirmed that I wasn't going to be able to go And that seemed to pretty much be it. But then I kept kind of looking at things and just seeing like what people were saying online. And I was still getting just really ambiguous feedback. Like they, like one line would say that residents of the UK are allowed to enter Greece, but another line would say citizens of, you know, America are not. So it was very confusing. And it actually ended up being on... Facebook, the the Greek embassy, so the same embassy that told me that I wouldn't be allowed to enter Greece, they have a Facebook page and someone had commented with a very similar situation to me except that they had a Mexican passport and not an American passport and the Greek embassy had commented back and said as long as you have your British residence permit with you, you'll be allowed to enter Greece and so I ended up emailing them and asking them to confirm And they basically confirmed it was fine. So it all looked good, but I was still really, really hesitant about it because we'd been hearing different things from different people who were all supposed to be in positions of authority. But anyway, Harry and I just decided to crack on and it was genuinely the most bizarre experience of my life, you know, packing for a holiday and subsequently we stayed at the hotel airport the night before and just, you know, like waking up at five o'clock in the morning for a flight and just not even being sure that I was going to be allowed to get on it. But we went to check our bags and checked in and Greece has a passenger locator form, a PLF that you have to fill out in order to enter the country. And we did that and I got my QR code without issue. So I was like, okay, that's a good sign. And then we went to check our bags and the, um, The guy saw that my passport port was American, but he saw I had the QR code and didn't really seem fussed about it whatsoever. So we go through security, have breakfast, everything's fine. And then we go to board the flight and I go and I show my passenger locator form. They checked it like four times and then I showed them my passport. Um... And I had my British residence permit at the ready. And the woman was like, yeah, okay. And she like scanned and, and let me, um, and, and let me go to board the plane. And I was walking thinking like result, I'm going. 
And then I got pulled over by another EasyJet employee, and he was like, I'm so sorry. He, to be fair, really, really nice guy, um, especially not exactly what I would have expected from the likes of EasyJet, but he was like, I'm so sorry, but I just need to confirm. He's like, I'm not 100% sure that we can, we can let you board this flight with an American passport. So he's like flipping through this book and I, I have my British residence permit that I like give to him. And then he rings someone in some office and he just explains the situation. He's like, well, she's got a British residence pass permit. And they were like, oh yeah, she's fine. Um, and then of course, so we had the flight, the four hour flight to Santorini. And once we landed the, um, they, your PLF has a number on it and whether it starts with one or two dictated, whether you got randomly coronavirus tested and Harry and I both had the number that started with one which was the one that didn't get tested so we didn't get tested we go up to the um passport control in the Greek airport and I'm still a bit nervous that that, you know I'm like oh my god I'm in Greece like what if they turn me away here but I showed him my passport and also gave him my British residence permit he immediately handed the residence permit back to me like he had no interest in it stamped my passport and that was it it was good to go So that is a very long-winded story of how we managed to get to Greece in the middle of a global pandemic. It was extremely stressful, and I just, as a takeaway, highly, highly, highly recommend that if you are trying to travel abroad from anywhere to anywhere during all of this craziness, just make sure you check all of the fine print. If you, people who didn't have that passenger locator form filled out ahead of their trip they were did not like they could not board the flight and you have to fill out the form for at least 48 hours before the flight so um just wherever you're trying to if you're trying to go to grace look up the plf um but if you're trying to go anywhere just make sure you look up the rules for that specific place anyway that took me 10 minutes to tell so should we go ahead and talk about the booze now yeah (laughs) was it worth it was it worth telling the story? Well, that and also, was it worth the, the hassle of getting there? Yes, it was. Yeah. Don't you think it was? Yeah. All right, so shall we... What, do you want to start with cocktails or beer? Let's do... Let's get cocktails out of the way. Liquor before beer, you're in the clear. I like, I like the way you think. Yeah, I, do, I actually think... Because there's probably a bit less to talk about with the cocktails, isn't there? yeah. So, do you, would you like to start, since I've just talked my ass off for the last time? Uh, okay, well, do you want, what do you want me to say about my favourite cocktails? Yeah. Okay, so there were two <laughs> that jumped out to me when I was thinking while you were rambling on about stuff. Um, so, my favourite, actually we'll go second favourite first, was a... Um, well, actually, my favourite you're going to talk about anyway, so I'll leave that to you because you're better at talking. Um, then, my so my third favourite was the uh, so I'm a bit I'm a bit on the edge here because my third favourite was the Emerald Spritz mm. from a place called Vine Bar. Mm which we went to quite a lot. Um, so the reason I'm torn is because I did like it. It was a, basically had banana, kind of an aniseed liquor. Um, Violet liqueur. Yeah. 
Prosecco and soda. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, so, and it was very nice. However, it was probably one of those drinks that you only really want, like, a small glass it of. It was very sweet. It was And quite aniseed. Yeah. And a, it's, it, it's a nice flavour, but not a flavour that you want to be sat there for what, 15, one thing, 20 minutes. Yeah, no, I, I agree, because I remember tasting yours. One thing that I think is just worth noting that we probably mentioned on the wine episode is that <clears throat> if you do go to Santorini, Santorini is a struggle when it comes to decent cocktails. So that's why I said that our list is quite short because I will say the good cocktails that we had in Santorini were incredible, like very memorable ones that I've, some of them I've even tried to recreate myself at home. Really, really nice. But your average bar and restaurant in Santorini, when you first arrive there, you see the menu and it looks quite impressive because it always has Mai Tais and margaritas and like an extensive list of of really good sounding cocktails but then you order it and it's just absolute swill like I got a Mai Tai that was bright red there's absolutely nothing red in a proper Mai Tai um you know that just and anything that wasn't just a basic like spirit and mixer was was disgusting so um definitely be careful about ordering cocktails if you go to Greece if you're not in what you can tell is a very good cocktail bar. Okay. And my second one, again, from the same place, this is my second favourite, was the Thera Colada, mm. which contained rum, watermelon, strawberry, coconut, and lime. Um, that was completely the opposite. It came in a big glass, and I could have had a bigger one. Um, that was... I'd say there's a big jump between my second and third favourite cocktail. Mm. Um and I'll give I'll give a I'll give a shout out to the old banana and melon Ramos as well. <laughs> which had tanqueray, oh, banana cream. and melon syrup, double cream, egg white, lime, grapefruit soda. Um that was basically a dessert in a glass, so yeah, big fan of that one. Um, but yeah, the, I'd say, I don't know, a lot of, I have to say, other than those two, I tended to have some sort of variation of, uh, Afro spritz, a lot of the places we went. So. Yeah, the, the, we didn't have a bad Afro spritz while we were there, like that was quite, Reliable, and what you and I also got really into was Campari tonics. Oh yeah, um, that became our safe bet. If we were if we were at like a beach restaurant or somewhere that just clearly wasn't like a good cocktail bar, we got into the habit of ordering a, a Campari um, tonic, which I, I quite enjoyed. I mean, I don't know how often I'd make that for myself, but that was also a good one. Like as like a pre dinner digestif, you know. Not super strong or anything like that, but we did. I, like I, it was one of the most amazing holidays of my life, and we drank really well on that trip. But I will say that there were at least three occasions where I had a drink that I couldn't finish. Yeah, um, I would also say. I mean, a lot of the time I have a cocktail kind of after a meal. It's like a bit of a nightcap. But yeah. When you've got Vincenzo, you don't need a cocktail. No. 
You've got your dessert. Unless there was a Vincento cocktail. But yeah, I... No, I I completely agree. I did did have one cocktail of... What is it? Blue Curacao? Yeah. When we went to that... The White Beach. Oh, yeah. Very racist in Santorini. Apartheid still exists. Stop it. Um... But, but to be fair, I've never, never had a cocktail of it, but I was pleasantly surprised. It was... Yeah, that was like a blue Hawaiian or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will say, I mean, I had a margarita there. It wasn't really remotely resembling a margarita. It was tequila and I think like soda and lime or something. But it, but like it was still refreshing on the beach on a hot day. But at the other beach after we went jet skiing, I had a margarita that was warm. And that was potentially one of the worst drinks I've ever had. Like, I just full-on couldn't finish it. Hmm. Yeah, so then I... Then you can talk about my favourite cocktail, which was the... Actually, the first one I had when Mm. we were there. So maybe I should have just gone home after that. (laughs) So this drink was at a restaurant called Ia Jeffsis, which is where we ate on our first night in Santorini. It's up in Ia, which is kind of the most popular touristy part of Santorini on the north end of the island most of the like photos and things that you'll see of Santorini it's usually in Ia and um so we ate at this restaurant on our first night on this um sunset rooftop terrace that was stunning it was pretty much as perfect as you could ask for with the first night and we ordered um well actually that I don't even know that we spoke about the one because we each got a cocktail And the cocktail that we both got was the Forest Treasure, which had white rum, spicy rum, aged rum, lime, falernum, pure pineapple juice, spices, syrup, and Angostura bitters, which this quite excites me because I just ordered falernum, and apart from that, we have all of these ingredients. I'm not sure what their spices syrup is, but I'm sure we could make some sort of like Demerara syrup with allspice or something, like some sort of allspice dram or something. Um, But I have all the ingredients for that, so we could try making those at home. Um, But it's definitely a tiki drink. Like I said, it's got three different types of rum in it, and it was just absolutely refreshing and delicious, and it looked really nice in the glass with the sunset. Um, But their entire cocktail menu was really impressive. Like They have one called the Smooth Mexican, which it was tequila blanco, Homemade chili pepper syrup, agave, lime, green apple. Um, they have one called the Attractive Inspiration, which was Maker's Mark, ginger, apple and spices syrup, orja, and lime. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a great bar for cocktails. But funnily, they they also have an entire list of mocktails that are all ten euros, which you're not gonna catch me spending ten euros for a non-alcoholic drink. But I digress. Um, so we got a diet coke. <laughs> We got the cocktails to start, and then for the wine, we ordered a bottle of rosé. Or a peanut colada. Sorry. What? Or a peanut colada. What do you mean, or a peanut colada? Peanut colada. What about it? I'll pay ten quid for that. I thought that's alcoholic. Is it? Oh, no, it was. Well, I'm sure you could have a non-alcoholic version. Uh, again, you. I, this just proves that the drink doesn't exist because you you don't even know what it is. But anyway, moving on. 
we got we ordered a bottle of rosé and Harry does not drink red wine and the rosé because the rosé in Santorini is made in volcanic the soil is volcanic the rosé was like a very deep pink like very red looking and it did taste a lot like a, a red wine to a certain extent you didn't enjoy that rosé no. all that much did you I, I liked it but I didn't not that I'm even remotely knowledgeable or bougie about food and wine pairing, but we both got fish, and I think that that rosé would have been much better with, like, a red meat, because it was, it was more in the red family. So that was Eogephsis, and then we... Um, so the my other cocktails were also from the vine. So the vine, which is the emerald spritz and the ones that Harry spoke to earlier was a restaurant and cocktail bar that we discovered on like our second night, I think, in um, Santorini. And we enjoyed it so much that we ended up going there for sunset drinks, I think four times over the course of the eight days we were there, to the extent that the servers, whenever we would walk in, were like, why are you guys here again? Like, go explore the rest of the island. But it was just so good. Like, we only had appetizers there. We never ate there, but the appetizers were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cocktails were amazing. And the views of um, the views of the sunset were just unmatched because you're, you're up high. Um, so, yeah. But the cocktail that I discovered at the Vine that was so amazing that I have already tried to recreate it at home is a drink called the Basilico Negroni. Um, so the Basilico Negroni is Beefeater 24 Basil Infused, Lillet Blanc, Cointreau, and Orange Bitters. Um, so the word Basilico in Greek, I thought that it, because it kind of looks like basil, like I thought that it must stand for basil, like basil Negroni. Um, but it actually means like ancient or of like ancient treasure or something like that. Um, and I think Basilico is actually a region in Greece, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, so this drink when I had, and I had it every time we went to the vine, um, was it was, it's much sweeter and less bitter than a Negroni, but it's like a white, white Negroni, but they would garnish it with a huge sprig of basil, which just smelled amazing. And it was like equal parts sweet and savory. And I just absolutely loved it. And so, um, last week I tried to recreate it. I was not able to find Beefeater 24 in our supermarket, so I basil infused a bottle of Bombay Sapphire, but they're both London dry, so that should be okay. Um, I also don't have Lule Blanc, so I used Koki Americano, um, which obviously is going to make it taste a lot different because those are two very different vermouths. But uh, And then I did have Cointreau. And actually, so I recorded this for this week's um, Thirsty Thursday, so if you want to see me try this out, um, you can watch this week's Thirsty Thursday, but I actually forgot about the orange bitters and I think that would have massively improved it. Um, but yeah, I tried this out and I will say in the video, I tried it using actual Negroni specs. So a Negroni is always one ounce of gin, one ounce of Campari, one ounce of vermouth. Um, and then you can add bitters if you want. I tried doing that with this version and it is way too much Cointreau. Like it is so sweet and orange forward. Um, so then after recording, I tried it again with half the Cointreau, so half an ounce of Cointreau and it is, it was better, but I think the bitters is probably what's missing. 
Um, so I'll need to, I'll need to try that again, but yeah, that's been a cool experience trying to recreate that cocktail. Um, for the gin, I literally just, um, soaked basil, like put the gin into a Tupperware container with basil and let it infuse for about 24 hours. Um, and the gin is definitely very basily now. Um, so yeah, that is basically my journey with the Basilico Negroni, but it's obviously never going to taste as good as it did in Santorini with that beautiful sunset. So that was the vibe. And then the only other one I think that we sh- we deserve, that we owe it to discuss, Harry, is PK Cocktail Bar, mm-hmm. um, which we went to PK, I think, on our second night, didn't we? Yeah. Um, PK Cocktail Bar is probably the most famous cocktail bar in Santorini. It's kind of a must-go. It's um, sat kind of on the edge of the caldera, so it's got an amazing sunset view, and when you reserve it, you actually book the exact seat that you want. Um, And yeah, it is a... It's really... It's a really stunning place to go. I went with my parents two years ago, and then we went this year. Um, The cocktails are insanely expensive, but you do get free popcorn. Um... And yeah, I, you, you definitely should go to PK cocktail bar if you go to Santorini, but, um, I actually cannot remember when we, when Harry and I went this year, they had a significantly reduced menu, I think due to coronavirus, um, it was, it was like when I went with my parents, it was pages and pages and pages of like bespoke cocktails and this time it was like two pages of choices so I actually don't remember what I had as my first cocktail when we were there um I don't think it was that super memorable I know it wasn't bad but I will say that I had a martini for my second drink um a dirty martini and it was great and it was just really enjoyable with the sunset do you remember what you had at PK cocktail bar I believe it was the Aegean Aperol Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, no, it was it was good. Um, and then cocktail wise, or I guess just spirits wise, the only thing I think left to discuss is just ouzo, which is the anise flavored aperitif that is um, quite big in in Greece. Very similar if you've ever had sambuca in taste. Um, it's really common, kind of similar in the way that if you go to Italian restaurants, you might be given a shot of limoncello at the end of your meal. Um, a lot of restaurants will give you ouzo. Well, some gave Vincento, and I think you and I both massively prefer to get Vincento at the yeah. end of the meal, but some some gave you ouzo. I'm honestly really not a fan. Um, it, like you said, it's very, very strong in the anise flavor. Like, it is, like, I mean, it is just, like, drinking black licorice which I usually I like black licorice but it's just it's quite intense it's a drink that needs to be absolutely frozen cold in order for me to even be able to touch it but it's definitely you if you go to Greece you absolutely have to try Mm Uzo yep very strong but a a little a little swig don't do any harm do you have any closing remarks about the cocktails any other ones that you wanted to bring up no, I'd say it's just, we both found that unless you went to a quite a, kind of a distinct wine or more cocktail bar and 
if you went to kind of see a, a just a restaurant that does cocktails, then you're always running a risk a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed them, um, but I preferred the beers. Fair enough. I think I preferred the wine. Or the Vin Santa. All right, so on that note, moving into beers. Um, so Santorini Brewing Company is the primary, I think up until 2018, it was the only brewery um, on Santorini. And we can discuss that in detail, but are there any beers, Harry, that you would like to talk about before we get into the Santorini line, the Santorini beers? Um... In terms, what do you mean in terms of Santorini beers? I mean the Santorini Brewing Company. So were there any ones besides the donkey ones that oh, you'd like to discuss? Oh, the Vulcan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which was, yeah, I, to be fair, I didn't find to be much difference between the Vulcan um, and the... Lazy ass lager. Mm. Um, and then well, the, then there's a huge price difference between kind of the Santorini, the brewing company beers, the Vulcan beer, and Mythos, Mythos and, and Alpha. Yeah. Um, Which, me, so Mythos is like, I think basically like the national lager of Greece. It's you know it's like Heineken or Peroni or anything like that. It it's fine. Yeah, I, I yeah, like I, it. I, it's I, not... I, yeah, I I no issue with. Yeah, I'm not sat here being like, it, oh, we need yeah. to order some Mythos. No. But, um. Yeah, the difference is if I was to walk past them in the supermarket down the road, I probably wouldn't get them. If yeah. I walk past Vulcan or. Yeah. A donkey beers. My dad just had a Vulcan at a restaurant a couple weeks ago, which I was kind of surprised about. Yeah. But... Very nice. Okay, so, yeah, moving into Santorini Brewing Company, because they kind of have a monopoly on the island. Um, So it opened in 2011, and they... um, The brewery uses locally grown wheat, hops, and barley, but they import their malt from Bosnia. thought that was interesting. One of the owners and founders actually used to own a brewery in London called the Rocky Head Brewery, and I was like, oh my god, we need to go, and it's permanently closed, so we will not be going <laughs> it's there. It's gone to Santorini. Um, they advertise the beers as being always unfiltered, um, and yeah, so their, their beers all have donkey in the name, and if you go to Santorini, even if you are, if you're so not into beer that you normally just tune it out, you you can't tune out the Santorini beers, like they... No, they're in every... every t-shirt shop. yeah every every souvenir shop they have crazy donkey shirts lazy ass shirts every bar and restaurant serves it um it's very expensive a bottle will in most restaurants cost like what's between six and eight euros usually yeah yeah, yeah. all right so let's let's go through the beers um so the first is yellow donkey which is a on the website, it says a mixture of hops, including Aurora and Styrian Golding from Slovenia. Um, slightly bitter tones refine and invigorate the original flavor, creating the perfect accompaniment for a meal by the sea. Um, Yellow Donkey is a blonde ale. Um, they class it as a lagered ale. It's 5 to 5.2%. 
this is my favorite of the donkey beers. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love yellow donkey. And honestly, there's this whole concept of everything tastes better on holiday. And when you try it again, when you get home, it's never the same. We brought home a bunch of these beers and I was actually shocked because I thought that they were just as delicious at home, not on holiday as they were when we were sat in Santorini. Yeah, they do have such a distinctive taste that yeah. you can. It's not one of those beers where once you get home, it tastes like any old beer. They are very different to. Yeah. Um, the next one is Red Donkey, which is their amber ale. Um, so it is awakened by an alternative type of Belgian style yeast. The result is fruity, full bodied, and richly colored. Um, this one, they also serve in a champagne size bottle, which is 750 mils, which is just an average normal wine bottle size. Um, and it's 5.5 to 5.7 alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. Can't comment on that one. You didn't try that one? No. I, I like the Red Donkey. I'm not a huge Amber Ale person, but I like the Red Donkey. The next one is Crazy Donkey. So this is the first India Pale Ale ever produced in Greece, and it's traveled all the way to Australia, U.S., Norway, Denmark. Um, It has a plethora of aromatic bitterness marrying an arguably tropical start to a dry finish. It's an alcohol by volume percentage of 5.8 to 6.5. That's quite a wide range. We didn't get... Did we get to try Crazy Donkey? Um, unofficially. <laughs> we we did buy a bottle. Yes. And it went in the fridge and exploded. Yes. We bought the champagne bottle size so and it was like, what, 15 euros or something 17 I've seen. euros, yeah. yeah. So technically, no, we did not. However, I can tell you what it tastes like combined with floor polish. <laughs> <laughs> it made our hotel room stink. And I, but I do wish that we'd been able to try it because they didn't really have that at most restaurants. Most restaurants just had yellow, red, and lazy ass. They didn't yeah. usually have crazy donkey. Right. The next one is white donkey. Um, so this is a weiss beer, a wheat beer, and it's 5.4 to 5.5% in ABV. Um, apparently it's a seasonal offering. So when after our crazy donkey champagne bottle exploded when we were getting all of our drink souvenirs to go home we wanted to buy one to bring home but the label for crazy donkey and white donkey are so similar that we accidentally grabbed white donkey which was actually heartbreaking Mm -hmm. because i hated it (laughs) it was quite a bland (laughs) yeah i just i think i'm i'm like i mean my favorite wheat beer is Blue Moon. Like, I like a Belgian-style wheat beer. Yeah. I'm yeah. used to there being some sort of... And it says here that it's got exotic citrus aromas. There was no citrus no. in that whatsoever. It was literally, like, drinking bread crust. Yeah. It was extremely bland. Very bitter. The next one is one that I did not know existed. And if I could have tracked this down while we were there, I would absolutely love to. Um... Oh, it actually, it's enjoyed exclusively at the brewery, and we weren't allowed in the brewery, so that's why we didn't get to try this one. But it's called Slow Donkey, and the reason why this one excites me 
is because it is slowly matured in oak and acacia barrels that previously held Santorini Assyrtico wines. So it is barrel aged for five to six months in those barrels. It is enriched by the sweet aromas of Vincento as well as the structure and acidity of Assyrtico wines. That just sounds delicious to me. Yeah, we did actually go to the brewery, but... Um, we didn't get the nicest no, reception. No, she seemed to wonder what the hell we were doing there. Well, so the brewery... The brewery is in the middle of the wine road, which is a road where all the wineries are. And so it's, it's like a, a, you know, kind of like a farmy type road, you know, it's mm-hmm. not super industrial. And we pulled up in what the internet said were their opening hours and we were going to go around the side to the shop and she was like, oh, what are you doing? We are just like, oh, is the shop open? And she was like, no, just for takeaway, at like takeaway beers. And I was just like, who is going to drive out in the middle of nowhere to order a pint that they're going to have to take and drive away with or mm-hmm. like sit in the parking lot and drink it? She wasn't very friendly either. Um... The final beer is Harry's. It's the national beer of Harry, and that is Lazy Ass. Um, It's a refreshing, fruity, and spicy lager. It is the... It resulted from the collaboration of two microbreweries, Santorini Brewing Company and Flex Microbrewery in Austria. It is a lagered ale with 5.0% alcohol by volume, um, that's the one that you got the most, probably. It's nice. Yeah. I tried it. Yeah, yeah I liked it. It's very good. Yeah, it's a good lager. Yeah, I'd have to say I had that predominantly to start with, and then moved on to the Yellow Donkey. Um, yeah, it was ref- ref- a refreshing lager. Yeah, but I will say I did prefer the Yellow Donkey. Adds a lot more flavour. Yeah, I I love and the Yellow Donkey because what did we say? The yellow donkey is it's five it's five percent. I mean that that is quite it's you know it's strongish, but it just felt very light. It wasn't like a yeah. super heavy. Thinking about, it, I will say, I feel like the price difference between like a Mythos and a yellow donkey is probably deserved. Yeah, because of the extra yeah. flavor, I'm not sure I'd say the same about the lazy. I yeah, don't think there's as much. Yeah. There's not as big enough difference between the lazy ass and the like your standard Greek beer to probably deserve paying an extra four I just, pounds a bottle. I just feel like if I, like if if you actually blindfolded me and gave me a yellow donkey, I actually think I would recognize yeah, it. Definitely. Like it's, yeah. So that is all of the Santorini Brewing Company beers, and that is basically all that I had to discuss. Harry, is there anything, any closing remarks that you'd like to make? No, I'd have to say it was a pleasure discussing lazy asses with a lazy From ass. one lazy ass <laughs> to another. Yeah. All right, well, thank you everyone so oh, much. I have to say as well, mm-hmm. I did find a... Um, the wheat beer, I found it very much like yourself. Bitter. <laughs> I can't use that joke again. No, <laughs> you weren't supposed to, but here we are. All right, on that note, thanks everyone for listening to this week's episode 
Oh, gin and beer. I'm Meg. This has been Harry. And if you enjoyed the show, if you have any suggestions um, or requests for future drinks, or if you'd like to come on the show, you can email me at ginandbeeratshow at gmail.com, Instagram at ginandbeeratshow, Twitter at ginandbeeratpod, and please like, rate, subscribe, tell all your friends. That's, that's all I got. Yeah, please stop flooding the inbox requesting my appearance. <laughs> yeah, I please. have things to do.